Come with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Hey, good evening, everyone, and welcome to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. I am Ron Kolick, your host, to keep keeping around with the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's amazing Van Helsing. With me... All the way from the Berkshires, in case you don't know where that is. It's out in Western Massachusetts. He is the founder and lead investigator for the Berkshire Paranormal and an all around good guy, Josh Mantello. Hello, hello. And don't let too many people hear you say that. You might confuse Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Josh, it's been uh, it's been a while, and uh, I have known you for quite a while. I, I, I was trying to figure that out the other day, so I, I, I know it since at least 2007 or somewhere around there. Yeah, you know, I you're right. It's it's date. I know that. Um, boy, I'd have to look back to when that first investigation. Yeah. When did you when did you first start the Berkshire Paranormal? Uh, oh wow! I used to have that. I had that date written down somewhere. Um, <laughs> I did. I forgot what it was. Um, so was it, it was about a year after that investigation. Okay, so 2008, that's 2009. It was like, no help. It was. <laughs> yeah, I'm not helping here. No. The uh, yeah. So I, I know that my my uh, Maureen and I book Ghost Chronicles Next Generation. I mean, Ghost Chronicles, the book, uh, came out in 2007, so it had to be prior to that, so 2005, probably, I'm thinking now, when I'm, wow, it's been a while, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Time flies when you're having fun. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> you are out in the, the Berkshires, and, and, you know, we say, oh, the Berkshires, because we know what it's all about, I've been out there many times, and, and you live out there, but... Where are the Berkshires, and exactly what is the Berkshires? Um, now, the Berkshire, uh, Berkshire County of Massachusetts, uh, it's the, if you look at the state of Massachusetts, it's, a, it's the furthest west county. So, Berkshires, the Berkshires from Connecticut to Vermont, um, all along the New York state border of Massachusetts. So, it, it stretches north to south. Uh, across the, the far western Massachusetts. I'm in North Adams, which is the, the northern portion. Um, five, five miles from the Vermont border and about eight from the New York border, way up in the first corner of the state. Uh, it's kind of the, it, when you, with the area, so when you're traveling to or through the Berkshires, you know, there's always a sign of Berkshires, it's you know, and it says you know, America's premier cultural resort. Right. Uh, it, it, it's a it's a vacation area for a lot of people, especially in the southern part. Uh, museums uh, where I am in North Adams, we have the Massachusetts Museum of Con- Contemporary Art, which is the largest contemporary art museum in North America. Uh, the Clark Art Institute, which is a world-known fine art museum. Uh, Tanglewood is in the Berkshires. 
on the Stockbridge, Great Barrington area, as uh, a summer home to the Boston Symphony Orchestra. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, it's a lot of cultural things in the area, museums, uh, the Appalachian Trail runs through here, so a lot of great hiking, a lot of great things, first kayaking, lakes, camping, so it's, 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 a, it's a beautiful little area of, uh, you know, if you don't, if you're not a beach person for vacations, uh, and you're more of a person, you don't go to the Cape, you come out here. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's basically... Josh? Oh, Josh? I, I heard base. I'm still here. Hi. Yeah, yeah, basically it's in the mountains, right? Yeah, um, the Berkshire Hills were, were well, I'll call the Berkshire Hills. Um, we have Mount Greylock, which is the highest point in the state of Massachusetts. Is on my window. I can see it when I look out at night. Um, so, yeah, we have the from of New York on one side of us and the Berkshire or the Hoosick Mountain Ridge on the other side, and we're kind of set in the yeah, when when I was a, a young lad, many 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 years ago, uh, my parents, you know, back in the day, that's what you did. You went in a car and you went on a car trip somewhere. And I, I remember going out to the Mohawk Trail, and to this day, I always remember the hairpin turn up there, the the famous hairpin turn. And and uh, when I first, uh, you know, ran into you. And I, I did that first investigation at the Houghton Mansion. Uh, we went that same way, so it really brought back a lot of memories. But it, it is beautiful country up there. Yeah, and you know, in the winter, the hills you're, they're seeing, uh, and obviously, like most of New England, you know, you know, the fall is always great. You know, you go over the hairpin turn or the Mohawk Trail, which is uh, Route Two, which cuts across the state in half. You know, just leave peeping. You know, even somebody who you know, I grew. Up here, I still like taking at least one or two drives a year across the Mohawk Trail just to look at the the bus. You know, it never gets old. Even living here my whole life. Yeah, it's and I tell you, I, I remember uh, a couple nights uh, when we didn't stay in the uh, North Adams and we came back from the the Berk the Berkshires, the Houghton Mansion, and all that. And I remember going down that trail with with the fog is so thick and funny you couldn't see two feet in front of you, and that, and and those are narrow roads up there. And that was. Uh, You know, they even kind of, you know, there's, you know, there is a turn down there called Dead Man's Curve. Uh, just as you get into Savoy, uh, the Berkshires, and, you know, it's for, you know, the trucks going down those hills, they, they don't, or they're not used to driving over, over larger hills. Uh, and more, you know, I have, I've been probably 15 plus years since I remember a truck going over it, you know, technology getting better for them. Right. Uh, on a yearly basis, a truck would just miss that curve and swap. And it, it's it's a large, yeah, I don't want to say canyon, but gully, you know, mm-hmm. really off the edge, you know, probably 80 to 100 feet down, and the trucks would just yep. keep going. And, you know, kind of. And, and, and at the uh, high point. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, it's, you know, it kind of starts going up. You know, like you know, we were going to talk about tonight a little bit. Local legend, you know, because right. yeah, I go over and like, you know, I kids are my oldest is twenty and the youngest are fifteen. So uh, this was now, you know, the accident's not happening as often. You know, I go here we go, run across Dead Man's 
and they're like, why, why is it called that? Did, did people really die here? Yeah, they really did. Yeah. And, and one, one more thing before we get into the legends is, is that they're also on the way to the, the mansion where when you climb the top of the mountains uh, on the trail, when you actually drive up that way and bought up there with a, a little tower, and you can see five states uh, from that top of that tower, which gives you an idea of the, the height of that place. Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 I love it out here, you know, I always, me and my wife every now and then will have that kind of like, oh, would we ever move out of the area, would you not, you know, where would we go, and I was like, boy, you know, there's too much here that, you know, I, I, I think I'd miss, you know, I, I'd miss, mm-hmm. I'm an avid hiker, and I, I would miss being on those hills and, and see those views. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's, let's get into a little, little bit now, it, it the, valleys and and heavy fog at times and, and dense forest and so what kind of legends are we talking about up in Berkshires? So Berkshires like uh, a lot of Massachusetts is a lot of old land uh, you know one of the original colonies and you know people have been settling here you know longer than a large amount of the rest of the country uh, you know especially the say the west coast now, it wasn't settled as soon as, say, you know, the Salem and Boston and, and eastern parts of the, the first colonies were established. But, you know, when those first colonies were established, people started moving west, you know, fairly quickly. Uh, so throughout the years, you know, out of cultural background uh, and history have really intertwined themselves into the area. And, you know, we have... From ghost stories, Bigfoot sightings, oh. uh, UFO sightings, you know, you name it. There's, there's an area that in this in, in the county that has had some of those encounters. You know, I read recently of a of a Bigfoot sighting. You know, not from where I am. You know, right. in the northern part of the county. You know, within I didn't do it. Research into it as I as I meant to. I remember reading about it quickly and just kind of saying, "Wow, that's pretty interesting." And you know, even right here in North Adams, you know, I can kind of talk about it quickly. You know, there's there's a ledge they call it Coca Cola Ledge. Uh, when you look, it's it's really a ledge, mm-hmm. uh, but when you its nickname is Coca Cola. Way back um, half a century ago, uh, it used to be a giant. They they covered up the actual ledge with a billboard for Coca Cola, so hence it was called Coca Cola forever. <laughs> until the the billboards it was taken down, and then it, and now it's just you know a, a prominent landmark. You know when you're driving um, into town along Route Eight, you see this ledge, and then the local the college in town uh, had fraternities. So after the this time, the fraternities when they were still around because they're they're even gone now from the college. Um, they're here was they would go up on the ledge and, and paint their um, paint their property name on it, you know, uh, in Greek lettering up on the ledge. Uh, one of those, you know, kind of. I, I it's, it's one of those things. Back to it, can't find an or uh, an, an origin to this story, you know, but the monster of Coca Cola Ledge, uh, and in reality, it, I think a lot of. Uh, I have a lot of legends have 
the educational part to them. You know, so things that parents told kids this legend or this story so that they wouldn't do something bad. You don't pick up hitchhikers because there's a story of the hitchhiker that murders people on this road. Uh, You know, this ledge in instance, it's it's a fairly large ledge and every once in a while in the newspaper, somebody had too much to drink, particularly around the 4th of July and falls off and be hurt or killed. So, you know, looking at it in maybe hindsight, you know, is the not, you know, of this monster that's up there, was it something maybe the parents decades ago from who knows how far back, you know, made up to keep away from it so that they wouldn't fall off the ledge and get seriously hurt. Or, like I just said previously, if you know, there have been Bigfoot sightings in this area. They're not, you know, not frequent, you know, not like the, the Pacific Northwest where you, where you get a lot of them in the very thick, you know, forest out there. Right. Or is this something that does have some basis, you know, from that, over centuries has now been lost. So this area was settled in the late 1700s, early 1800s. Over two centuries has the original basis to this story been lost. Or is it a kind of a folk's tale to keep the kids away from trying to go up in a dangerous situation? Mm -hmm. And uh, the... The interesting thing is, as is, is you mentioned, is that a lot of legends are sometimes based on fact. Uh, and, and maybe they get embellished along the way, but uh, the, the, the intriguing thing about legends is, is that you want to, and I know Jeff Belang is doing a lot with, with legends and legend tripping, and, and he tries to find the the, uh, the source of some of this stuff. But sometimes it's difficult, and sometimes it's uh, re- really hard to to find the uh, the origin, and, and other times it's a little easier. So uh, I would be surprised if there was something up there at one time that uh, certainly frightened people. Right. You know, and I even remember. You know, we even very we probably get more Bigfoot sightings than we do um, lions. But there, I, I do even remember at one point in time, you know, people spotting mountain lions. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, this was many, many, many years ago. I remember hearing somebody say one up there. Um, God, I had to be had to be 25 plus years, very young, when I remember hearing about it. You know, so those are probably even fewer in between the Bigfoot sightings. But even that's, you know, a possibility. Yeah, so... Uh, so you have found no other than the, the Bigfoot sightings. You sightings. You have not found any uh, source for the uh, monster of Coca-Cola ledge. No, it, you know it's it, it's it's one of those. I think something that was just passed down from generation to generation, uh, and you know those old family tales that were told. You know around you know before there was ever. TV, you know, you know, when you sat around and you told stories, you sat around, you know, and read a book or, you know, and I think maybe as, as technology and, and the storytelling has faded off and maybe the, the true story behind it. Right. So what other legends are associated with the Berkshires that we should be interested in? So I would probably in with one of the one of the, the more popular ones here. Um, 
And another one that's close to home uh, is Hoosick Tunnel. Uh, oh, yes. The Hoosick Tunnel is, is, is an amazing uh, and is really, when you look at the history of it, was a true scientific marvel for the day. Um, the Hoosick Tunnel is a 4.74 mile long that runs from North Adams um, to, to which is a tiny little town of a few hundred up on up in the hills. But it was, you know, the the railroad was your key source to supply in in the 1800s, and this was built. The construction began in 1851. So in 1851, there were no plane cargoes. So the rail line that ran from Boston to the rest of the country needed to get through those hills. Uh, and this went to it. Uh, for those that are from Massachusetts or maybe New England listening, um, it was kind of, it was the big dig of the 1800s. Uh, those from Boston, where the big dig is. Uh, uh, vastly over budget, uh, Lots of depths associated with it and always behind schedule. So to get to the nitty, before I get to some of the stories, uh, it's a 4.75 mile long tunnel that was started in 1851. Uh, and, and to put into perspective, 1850 was when this was started. Now this is before lasers and GPS satellite positioning. And she started building this tunnel from opposite ends. So they drilled and the west to meet in the middle. Uh, they were within a quarter of an inch of each other. They met in the middle. Get out, right? Uh, that yeah, that's that's with today's technology. Uh, so it, it was a technological marvel for the day, and it was all done with uh, lightning top. You know, throughout over the mountain, they put large towers uh, over the that would line up, you know, using, uh, got a those little telescopes, what are they called? Those little surveyor scopes. Oh, yeah, little that they use scope. like yeah. You know, and using yeah. their surveyor scopes from either end, looking at each other up over the mountain through the alignment towers, and be in the middle within, you know, in less than, within less than of an inch. And I believe, I'd have to look it up, I think it was less than, or they were extremely close. Wow. <laughs> but it was the first, this commercial use of nitroglycerin dynamite. Uh, so everyone knows how volatile nitroglycerin is. Um, even today, it's, it's um, volatile. So you can only imagine how volatile it was first used. Um, so with that came deaths. Um, 190 people, excuse me, 190 people lost their life in the construction of the tunnel, and over 30 people of the tunnel, all inside or around or in somewhat related to it. Wow. That many, that many deaths associated with one thing tends to lead to some pretty crazy stories and some pretty uh, great lessons. The first one I kind of want to touch with with it is something that I have experienced um, relatively recently. I have had a few people say They've, they've seen this happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, those need to be vented. Uh, and so they had shafts. Um, and then there was a well 
shaft and a central shaft. And they were, they drilled down from the top of the mountain to the top of the top uh, in the old days when the water, coal-powered steam, and the exhaust, the smoke would have a place to go and not fill the tunnel. And in today's day, diesel fumes from, from the more modern locomotives. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they dug. And obviously when they were digging down, even on the top of the mountain, they would hit, they would still hit watersheds. Uh, so in one instance, um, on the central and down, digging down, and they had to use an old pulley elevator system, you know, a group of workers would go to dig and then pull out the spoils and, you know, dispose on top. Well, at one point they hit a water table and the pumps failed. The pump something out the water failed and also the elevator system failed. So oh, wow. filled with water. And the workers inside the hole all drowned to death and really eventually to the top. So where this starts to come in modern-day legend is people will periodically see. And it's usually associated on a a colder, wintry night in the mountains. So they have really crazy winters up there. Uh, And... They'll see these, this team of workers walking to work, um, going down the road or walking towards the central shaft with their pickaxes in hand and flares and, and covered in soot and, and walking towards the, walking towards the shaft. Uh, and, you know, and again, kind of great for, you know, you, you, when you investigate it, they're all still in, 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 in they're wearing clothes of the top. They really don't leave any trace. They don't interact with the people around them. So when we're kind of talking, I, I, you know, like a residual haunt of sorts, you know, maybe right. not an intelligent haunting. You know, some big workers maybe died so traumatically that they, they, they didn't realize they passed. And they're just continually going, their, going, going throughout their, um, their daily routine. Up on the top of this hill, going to the shaft every day, not realizing, you know, unfortunately, they all drowned um, over a century and a half ago, centuries ago. Uh, the second story that I, I I find interesting about it is the uh, kind of relates to again the, the nitroglycerin aspect of it when it was commercial use. So three, there were, there were three um, blasts, three guys who were responsible for blasting away the rock at the front of the, at the head of the tunnel. And they laid their charges, and they went to go back. Now, one, one worker was a little quicker than the other to get back to the, the blasting location and accidentally got charge. Oh. And, and buried his two other workers in tons of rubble. Now, he was found, I'm going to look this up because I just read it too and I already forgot it. Um, <laughs> all right, 10 days, it was 10 days. 10 days later, 10 days later, now the worker who set off the charge disappeared. After he, he accidentally um, killed friends, he, he disappeared. Mm-hmm. 10 days later, he was found at the exact location of the tunnel, strangled Strangled in the tunnel. Strangled uh, with what? Now, str- 
think somebody somebody murdered him and put me at that same location. Oh, wow. uh, there was an investigation with it. No, you know, the cause of death was ruled to be strangulation and was ruled a murder, but no charges, no, were ever filed, no suspects. So with this now came all the workers, you know, you know, this, this, there's a people, you know, the rumor amongst the workers was that he was, he was murdered by the vengeful spirits of his two other coworkers. Oh, wow. John. You know, it, it, it's a great story, um, you know, and it, it's that a few different locations, you know, and the, the, the work, you know, the rumor, the, the work crews, because these, these workers, they all, they lived in kind of, in both, you know, they didn't all, they weren't just people who lived from the community, they all, they had their own housing almost like close to the work site, and then they would all go to work together. So it was kind of its own little community with and the rumor amongst the community was that that um, he was his last name was was murdered by the vengeful ghosts of the spirits, the vengeful ghosts of the two men that he accidentally killed um, ten days earlier. Wow! Yeah, I never heard that one before, so that's intriguing. Yeah. You know, but over the years and years, um, it, it, there's there's stories that still come out of the tunnel. Uh, you know, there used to be a, it used to be before technology and modern day, you know, tech inspection, somebody's job to actually walk the train lines every day. They would probably start from one point to another point and make sure all the ties were tied down and there was no deformities in the tracks so that you know, there wasn't a, a major trade derailment. Mm-hmm. And it was, so it was somebody's job to walk nearly five miles of tunnel. Um, you know, and, you know, I have not gone in there, you know, you shouldn't, you're not supposed to, it is posted, no trespassing, but, you know, we've all, all snuck in once or twice in our lives, and yeah. it gets very, it gets very dark very quickly, you don't We're going to have to hold that thought for a minute, you're going to have to hold oh. that thought for a minute, because the tunes are playing, uh, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles, Next Generation with uh, Josh Mantell and Ron Kolick right here on Tojanet and Perex Radio, and we'll be right back after the following messages. Harry Price, I am speaking to you via the medium of the Ghost Box. Many of you will know I carried out the first live radio broadcast from Haunted House way back in 1936 for the BBC. Now, thanks to the wonders of modern technology, I am still able to keep abreast of 21st century ghost hunting by listening to Ghost Chronicles International on Togginet, Para-X Radio, The Ghost Channel, and even on something called a podcast. Two splendid chaps host it. One is an American who calls himself New England's own Van Helsing, although I have discovered his real name is Ron Kolek. The other is Stephen Parsons, and he's a paranormal scientist. Well, mustache, I'm required elsewhere on something called a K2. But don't forget, I'll be listening in every Tuesday from 8 o'clock in Great Britain and 3 o'clock on the American Eastern Seaboard. I trust you will join me there. Feel the need to do some soul searching or make some changes in your life to create a more positive future? Then Circles of Wisdom is just the place for you. 
Circles of Wisdom is a metaphysical bookstore and more. Located on Route 28 in downtown Andover, Massachusetts. We carry a large selection of books and music, crystals and gemstones, jewelry and gifts, sage, aromatherapy, and so much more. All in a relaxing and welcoming atmosphere. We offer classes on a variety of topics like yoga, Reiki, psychic development, alternative healing, and personal transformation. For guidance on this journey we call life, get a reading from one of our many readers at Circles of Wisdom, 90 Main Street in downtown Andover, right next to Bertucci's. Call us at 978-474-8010 or check us out on the web at www.circlesofwisdom.com. Lots to see and do in a feel-good place, an oasis in this hectic world. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation right here on Tojanet and Pararex Radio and wherever else this amazing show is being played. I am Ron Kolick, and our special guest today is Josh Mantell. Before we get into that, though, I do want to mention that on June 6th, we will be attempting another EVP experiment. So on June 6th at uh, 6 o'clock, uh, Eastern Standard Time, we ask you to turn on your recorders uh, for six minutes. And uh, I'm going to try to attempt to uh, do this live on Facebook so you can see us. But the, the experiment takes place whether you see me or not. Uh, and uh, for six minutes, we will attempt a uh, worldwide EVP experiment. We had some interesting results from the last one, and we're hoping to even refine it. So this is going to be going on every month. And uh, so June 6th, 6 o'clock, Eastern Standard Time, turn on your recorders for six minutes. Very simple. So anyways, that's something you want to try, Josh, to join us. We'd yeah. love to have you. Uh, so anyways, uh, we're talking with Josh Miantel. And it's so funny you mentioned who's... I just posted my uh, profile picture is, is the four of us, you, me, Leslie, and Ann Ryan in the tunnel. So <laughs> I thought that was funny. <laughs> Yeah, it's a great place. It's a great little day walk. It's, you know, you got to walk, you know, a little ways to get there. It's nice. Sometimes you see a train. I feel like every person likes to see trains. But, um, you know, just to, to wrap up where I was, um, mm-hmm. you know, there's probably the more prominent story or, or legend or ghost story behind it is the Lantern Man. Uh, so to go back uh, where I was a few minutes ago, you know, there's somebody's job was to walk the tracks you know, every day and make sure nobody was there. They had to carry a lantern to see where they were going. Uh, so people to this day, and I've had, you know, people as recently as in the last few years come up to me and say, I seen it. And what basically you're in this tunnel at some point, um, mm-hmm. and I don't condone doing it, but you know, and you see this light coming towards you, you know, it's wavering. Like somebody's walking, carrying a lantern. It's closer and closer and closer. And, you know, in some cases they see a figure, some cases they don't. Mm-hmm. And as it gets closer, they, it just suddenly dissipates and, and disappears off. You know, it's, so is it a, you know, one of these old track walkers, you know, whose job was to inspect right. the tracks, who's still kind of going about his business? You know, could it possibly be somebody, you know, in, in almost two centuries of operation, you know, maybe one of these 
people got you know got hit by a train and, and killed. I, I I never turned up uh, any actual documentation of that. Other than it didn't happen. You know, reporting wasn't the you know hasn't been the best throughout all the years. Uh, but you know that's probably the more the more prominent legend around it. Uh, and you know probably the only other one that's real close. And I want to touch on this one quickly because there's two other legends I, I kind of want to I want to hit on. Um, is you know the, the the guy we had a, in the '60s there was a gentleman who went out hunting. Um, it's kind of a wooded area, so he was hunting in that area. It's, it's restricted hunting now because it's a little bit more thickly residential in the, in the areas. But he he went out hunting and he disappeared. You know, kind of like uh, the other gentleman, he disappeared for a few days. He he turned up on the other side of the tunnel, completely disheveled, beaten up, bruised. Uh, delirious, didn't know where he was, didn't have his gun, uh, and he he kind of had a claim that the spirits pulled him in and and uh, roughed him up a little bit. Uh, you know, really? So, you know, it's a, it's a great, you know, just, you know, and I'm just hitting a few of them. You know, there's, there's plenty of web pages um, behind behind the tone, uh, anybody who's interested, there's a couple books, uh, Chris Wondolowski wrote a book, uh, you know, there, there's plenty of books and web pages talking about the tunnel, um, and it's engineering history, uh, anybody who's interested in that type of stuff, I definitely recommend it. Right. So, one, one thing you did, you, you, you had asked me about, and, um, it's, was, the the this is we're going to go to South County now and to Stockbridge, Massachusetts, uh-huh. uh, to to the Sedgwick Pie. So the Sedgwick Pie, the Sedgwick Pie, um, oh. it's a cemetery or burial ground. Yeah, uh, it's you know it's more of a more of a play on on religious beliefs and than it is, say, a ghost story or Bigfoot story. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's always very interesting, and always kind of when people first see it, it makes them scratch their head and kind of wonder wonder why. So if you don't know, most cemeteries are set up so that the, um, the departed are laying with their feet facing the east. Um, you know, and, or in all the headstones, uh, run in the same direction. So when you're looking at it, you're looking at lines of headstones. Um, the Sedgwick Pie in this one particular cemetery is a circular formation uh, with the um, the, uh, matri- or the patriarch of the family and his immediate family buried in the center of the pie. Now, um, his name was Theodore Sedgwick, uh, a citizen within that community at the time. Mm-hmm. And he, he then he, he had himself buried in the center. And then not just his immediate family, but his servants and pets are all buried in a circular fashion around him uh, and going out by generation. So, you know, your immediate family and then your first, second, third cousins, you know, kind of making their way out and servants and pets all kind of, you know, in this one circular plot. Uh, so, you know, you know, kind of when you first look at it, you can kind of understand why there'd be some, some legend behind it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it's odd, you know, you 
not something you're, you're used to seeing at, at a burial ground or a cemetery. Uh, so, you know, people sometimes automatically look at it and think there's some sort of pagan backing to it or, <laughs> or you know, you know, anything that's different, you know, when it comes to that type of stuff, you know, it's pagan or it's witchcraft or some, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> but, you know, uh, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a kind of a, a heartwarming story behind it, though, when you, when you actually look into it and, and do a, a, some thicker. Uh, so the reason that your, your typical headstones are, 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 should be buried with the feet facing the east is that you're facing Jerusalem and that at the time of the, um, the rapture, the time when everybody is called up to the heaven or be told where to go, that you're facing the direction of, of, of God and Christ. Uh, Sedgwick had a deal. He didn't want his family to get up and look at a bunch of strangers. So his logic behind this was, was at the time of the resurrection, at the time when everybody's called up, that all the Sedgwicks will all be looking at familiar faces. And it's that simple. You know, he thought, he goes, at the time of the resurrection, when all my family gets up, I don't want them to be buried somewhere where they're going to get up and, and look at the neighbor, you know, in the plot next to him or in front of him as somebody that's a stranger. He wants all his family and friends and pets to get up and see familiar faces. You know, oh, which, wow. you know, it, it, it's really kind of heartwarming when you think about it. You know, so when you take something that's just maybe a little bit odd and makes people ask questions and think maybe something is a little bit more behind it, it really wasn't that much more behind it. Besides the fact that, you know, this guy was truly thinking about the future of his family. And, you know, besides monetarily, he was thinking about the eternal future of his family. What's going to happen at an unknown date and time, tens, twenties, hundreds, thousands of years from now, what is my family going to see when the time comes for us all to be taken? You know, most people don't plan that far ahead. No, they don't. <laughs> You know, but, I, I have but a hard time did. trying to get through today. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he he actually planned out. You know, what what the resurrection going to be like for his family. You know, so and and that's it. But it, it you know because it's something different, it, it has become part of a lore and a tourist attraction. You know, people do visit that you know cemetery. You know, I know you and Ann do some a lot of cemetery tripping. Oh, yeah. uh, you know. You know, you know, cemetery tripping is a is a great hobby, and so this Sedgwick Pie is some people who who like to visit cemeteries and, and see see them will go just to see that one specific thing because it's not something you see very often, if at all, in, no. in cemeteries. Yeah. It's so funny. I mean, it was it was an amazing. We did we did go see it you know, last time we we, uh, we did an event you with it at the. Uh, Benford Hall, uh, Ann and I went, and it was pretty cool. I'll tell you one thing, though. There's another cemetery called Spider Gates, and uh, Mm. it has a huge legend about it, and there's all kinds of stuff written about it. And Ann took me there, and I'll tell you, that was the most disappointing all the cool legends and all the cool stuff that was about it, the gates and all that. And it was like, Oh my God, this is it. It's like, Oh, such a disappointment. Yeah. I, I never got a chance to experience, you know, 
Well, you're not I was in college. <laughs> so when, I, you know, when I was in college, I went to college outside of Worcester. You know, mm-hmm. so like most college kids and, and people that age, you're always up to be a thrill seeker, right? So we heard all the stories, you know, no person can pass through the seven gates. Yeah. You know, and if you pass through the seventh, you see this. Uh, so, you, you, know, die, you know, a lot of uh, typical college, you know, college night, we all drove up there. We got to the entrance and we were met by the local police department and told to turn around. And where we came oh, were? So that was, yeah. <laughs> but it was also uh, like midnight. I mean, it was, it was, you know, very late at night. So, oh. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know, we probably should have been told to go somewhere else. But that, that's my only spider gates experience. But it is yeah, something well. somebody brings up to me all the time. Like, oh, did you ever go there? I'm like, I've heard about it. I got to the front entrance once and was turned around by the local local police. Yeah. <laughs> That's we, my, we my only in, experience. We went in it. It was really nothing to uh, worry about. That's for sure. Although I did find yeah. a lot of money. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah, I found treasure on the way. Although you have to walk from the main road. You have to walk through the wooded path to it. And as we walked along, I just kept finding change. It was like, uh, <laughs> found treasure. <laughs> Probably a whole uh, 87 cents worth. <laughs> all right, somebody, somebody who believed the legend a little bit too much and got scared and ran out and dropped it all along the way. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you, even coins, though, are coins, uh, sometimes they use as talismans as well. And uh, Yeah. Uh, I remember one case that we did. Uh, these people moved into this house and they found all these coins uh, face down on the windows. And uh, they, they took them all down and they took all the coins, gathered them all up and everything else. But I did some research and, 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 uh, and it's an old tradition that if you take a coin and you place it face down on the, the window of a house, it's to protect it. The devil. I have never heard that. Yeah, the devil. I didn't either. It took me a long time to dig up this, uh, the information on this. But the devil would send out its minions uh, to the house. But when the the minions reached the window and they would see the the face and the coin looking down, they would be perplexed and look down. They couldn't figure out was what was going on and then give up and just go away. So it's an old, old, old tradition. Uh, comes from the old world, actually. But uh, yeah, it was, so that there's lots of you know interesting things out there. If you if you dig deep enough, uh, you can find them. So anyway, so yeah, that was a cool cemetery, Josh, and, I, and I'm so glad you had, did tell Ann and I about it when uh, we were out there. So what else you got for us? So I think you know I might have yeah I definitely got time for this. Um, this is going to be my new. Pa- passion project for the next foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. That's the story of Bill Saunders, um, more, more notably known as the old coop of mm-hmm. Mount Greylock. Um, the old coop is a story that has been How living. How do you spell that coot, Josh? Uh, C-O-O-T, coot. Okay. Um, the old coot of Mount Greylock uh, is Bill Saunders. Uh, uh, lived in Adams, Massachusetts on uh, Bob's Hill mm-hmm. in the mid-1800s. And like any uh, good union man um, at the right age in the, uh, during the time of the Civil War, uh, left his farm with his wife and kids and went to, to fight for the preservation of the union. 
he he was badly hurt. He supposedly saw uh, um, a lot of action. Uh, was seriously hurt. His wife had gotten notification that he was hurt, but never got notification that he had he was killed in action. Okay. Uh, years years had gone by, and he he never returned home. So I think you know the wife gave up on the fact that he was ever going to come home. Found another man, uh, married him. He he took in his kids, raised them like his own. But unfortunately, uh, Bill wasn't killed in action. You know, he was laid up in, in Army hospitals and finally made his way home. And w- when he got there, he, he I could picture it like in a movie, you know, walking up the hill to his farm mm-hmm. and, and, you know, you know, battered and bruised from, from battle. And he sees his wife with another man and his kids with him. And... You know, he kind of has a moment like, oh, well, they're happy. Um, they've moved on. So he turned around and never revealed himself to them. Uh, he, he started working in the community, working day jobs uh, throughout the community. It's even been said that he would even go and work on his own farm and have dinner with his own family, and they didn't know it was him. Really? Yeah. Uh, so, you know... You know, and then as his later years progressed, he, he built a cabin up on the side of the mountain and would live out of the cabin, come down during the day for work and go back up. And he was just, and even at this point, when he was alive, he was the old coot. Uh, uh, they had a, a horrible winter storm in the late 1800s, uh, buried the area with snow and winds. And, that, you know, people hadn't seen him. He said, boy, what happened to the old coot? Um, some hunters went out hunting. They found his cabin, and they found it with the door open. So they kind of thought maybe during a bad storm, you know, the wind blew the door open while he was sleeping, took out his fire, and he, he, was, he was dead in his cabin. But, you know, the story doesn't end there. It's still seen, and now this is what's great about this, is that somebody has brought this up to me within the last couple weeks. He was still seen throughout the decades walking the trails um in particular the trail is called bellows pipe trail it's a trail that runs along the side of mount Greylock from north adams to adams mm-hmm. um one of my favorite hiking trails as a matter of fact i don't know if it's maybe because it's haunted or not but it, it is one of my my more favorite um hiking treks and so people to you know and literally to this day still see him hiking or really? not see him hiking, but see him in the in the woods. Uh, now this was documented. Uh, if you go through the, the doesn't exist anymore, but was a local newspaper in the community up until about ten years ago. Uh, there was Randy Traybold, who was you know famous photographer. Um, used to uh, would capture pictures of him. Yeah, you know, uh, and there was always the stories. So uh, uh, I'm a You know, last we lost two weeks. So, am I breaking up again? No, we just lost it that time. Yeah, it's okay. Oh, You're right. back. You're um, good. All right. <laughs> uh, I was still a worker by trade, so I deliver mail. Mm-hmm. You know, my job is to walk around and hold small conversations with people as I'm delivering. Also, a couple weeks ago, I'm, I was out delivering a particular area, and a local police officer um, sees me while he was directing traffic at a construction site and goes, Hey, Josh. 
can I ask you a question? I was like, sure. He goes, you're, 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 you're into all this paranormal and ghost stuff, right? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, that's, that's what I'm known as, right? So I was like, yeah, yeah, I, I am. He goes, what do you think about that old coot on Mount Greylock? I was like, oh, I've, I've heard a lot about it. I've never personally experienced it. He goes, but I, I, I've personally hiked the trail a ton of times. Now, the, the gentleman talking to me, you know, he, I know him as, a, as an avid hiker as well. He goes, well, let me tell you something. He goes, it is absolutely real. He goes, this past winter, he goes, I was hiking along Bellows Pike. He goes, and it was a really bad weather day. He goes, it was really, for those of you in New England, we had some pretty good storms this year. And he goes, he goes, I probably shouldn't have been out hiking. He goes, but I was hiking up. There's a shelter up along there. He was going to try and get to the shelter. He goes, and as I'm walking along, trying to get up to the shelter, he sees this old guy out in the woods, out here in the snow. And, you know, Hikers are friendly people, so as he's hiking by, he casually says hello, and this old guy talks back and says, where are you going? He says, oh, I'm trying to get up to the shelter. He goes, okay, and he keeps walking by, and then he realized that he was, on, he was actually going the wrong way, and he stopped for a minute, and the old guy was still there looking at him, and the, the old guy looked at him and goes, the shelter's that way, and pointed up the hill in the right direction, mm-hmm. and he goes, oh, good, good, thank you. And then he, he stopped for a minute because... It finally caught up to him that one, like, he wasn't wearing any proper attire to be out on the side of a mountain in bad snow conditions. Right. And then when he started to look back at it a little bit further, there were no footprints in the snow besides his own. Oh, wow. Now, this was just this past winter. So we'll say January or February because we didn't get really any snow in December. So we'll say January or February. So this is only about six months ago. Mm-hmm. So that kind of really sparked an interest for me, and I've I've been personally digging into this legend. So this is going to become my new pet project. Um, when I go out to Spirit Quest, I'm going to start presenting some of this stuff um, awesome. into it because I'm 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 gonna I'm turning this into a long term investigation. Um, you know, because this is something that I've just had you know a very reliable source, you know, a member of the law enforcement community, give me a great story about his encounter with this you know and so this is something that's still fresh so i've been you know it re-sparked my interest into it so i'm re-looking into it um and in my long-term goal with this is to risk my own i'm going to wait for a bad weather day <laughs> i'm going to risk oh, my wow. own life and limb and i'm going to go out there you know with, with a gopro mounted you know somewhere and cameras and and you know, probably some warm clothes and some yeah, fire starting stuff idea. in it. <laughs> and, and I'm going to, and I want to capture this. I, I want to get out there and I want to see this because this is a, a story that's probably as deeply entrenched into the area as any other. Um, you know, a lot of people have, have told me they've seen them. It's been written about in the local newspapers. So one of the things I already kind of turned up, <clears throat> you know, because, I always had kind of a remote interest into the old coop, but not like a really deep interest into it. My, my time was always tied up with the Houghton Mansion, digging up every possible aspect of that thing. Oh, yeah. You know, so now, now it's, I want to turn my focus to this. And, you know, so over the past few weeks, I've really, really been starting to dig into the old stories, old newspaper clippings, and, and finding things out. So one of the first thing I found out is that I can't find any record of anybody by that name living in this area. 
ever. You know, I have actually, you know, using Ancestry.com, I can pull up old, uh, old, uh, old census records. Mm-hmm. You know, so I've been looking for Bill or William Saunders that lived in this area. I got a couple close hits that I'm, I'm digging deeper into. The other thing that I found was through an old newspaper clipping. This is a newspaper clipping from the 50s, was that he tends to make himself known. Now, this is, you know, a 60-year-old um, clipping that he, he is most frequently spotted during bad winter weather between the, March, between the, the months of January and March. Really? You know, so, I, you know, I'm, I'm starting to narrow this down and I and kind of kicking myself a little bit because I'm like, God, I wish I could get out in some bad snow weather before September <laughs> so I could get, you know, really give you guys something cool to see in September. But I, you know, I think in the long term, this is going to turn out to be, I want to turn this out to be something really amazing. So looking back, he, he, he makes himself known during January and February because that's when he was killed. He was killed by bad snowy weather, uh, you know, bad snowy weather on the side of Mount Greylock. So when you hike this trail, you, you know, you, people encounter him. And, it's, and well, I think what's great about it is, you know, like for it to be a great story, to be a good legend, you got to have some interest in it. You know, it's heartbreaking. Whenever I, sometimes I hear the story, I almost think of, um, that Tom Hanks movie, you know, where he's stranded on the island and he comes home and his wife is already married to somebody else. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I always kind of think of that a little bit. So there's a great story behind it that I think that could really spike some great interest. And if we could really get out there and maybe meet this, this spirit and, and, and get some proof to it, you know, and, you know, and maybe, you know, See what's behind it all. You know, right. I have to find where it's cat, where is it cabin. Unfortunately, you know, that was the that was the doorbell, which means pizza from the dead's here. We have just a couple of minutes left, so unfortunately, we'll have to wait and hear more about the old coop. Uh, we want to thank Josh Mantello for joining us here today. Uh, Josh, uh, I've known you like for a long time, and it's it's been a blast. And. Uh, I also want to mention on June 6th at uh, 6 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, we're asking everyone to turn on their recorders for six minutes and take part in a worldwide EVP experiment. This is the second one we do, and we're going to do one every month. So on June 6th at 6 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, turn on your recorder for six minutes and see what you get. Uh, you can also join me on my Facebook page, uh, Ronald Kolick, and uh, hopefully I'll uh, be live on that just for that short, a little bit of time for it. So, anyways, Josh, you know, thanks an awful lot. And, yeah, you should take part Thank in you. this, Josh. Yeah, you should take part in this experiment, though. That would be great to have your... I think I will. I dust off the old recorder and go for it. Yeah, it's, it's not like a big commitment or anything anyway, so that's, it's really cool. But uh, this is part of... A uh, ongoing experiment Steve Pass and myself are, are doing as part of Periscope, for a uh, new organization. So, anyway, so Josh, thank you so much. Anything you want to add before we say goodbye? No, that's it. Um, you know, thanks for having me on. I always enjoy doing the show. It's always a great time and great conversation. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank you very much for for joining us. And there are more legends out in uh, the Berkshires and in. That's that's something I'll just have to get out there and, and do with you. I've really never gone hiking with you, so that would be kind of cool. It's, but it's anyways, an easy trail. 
There's the tunes. We got to go. So until right. next time, uh, good night and God bless. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us good law.